preach this morning, what I'm going to be talking about is this along the idea of what we've been looking at recently, transforming mission. But in particular, transforming communities. Transforming communities. Because we, you, me, we have been given a great commission, haven't we? We've been given an instruction. We've been given a, 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 a kind of, this is what it says, right? It says, Jesus came to them and said, in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. They've been given a commission. We have been given a commission. We are to be about planting, equipping communities of disciples. That's what we're to be about. That's what, we're, what we've been given. But where does that begin? Where does that begin? Well, do you know what? It begins with us. It begins with us. I believe that we won't see communities transformed until our own community is transformed. We are to be about planting communities, seeing tr communities transformed, but what about us? I want to see us as a community transformed. And hopefully out of that, out of that, that's when we will see communities out there being transformed. But that word community, what does it look like to you? Community, what is community to you? What does community mean to you? It was a conversation I was having, having in the back office this week. What does community look like? And even the answers that I had were very different. Have you got good experiences of community? Do you have bad experiences of community? Do we have healthy experiences, healthy encounters of what community looks like for you um, or for the people around you? Has this online community distorted, warped, got in the way of what community is all about? Do you know, I came off social media recently um, uh, just simply because the conversations with my mum went along the lines of, have you seen so-and-so, they've had a baby? Or have you seen so-and-so, they've done this? Or have you seen so-and-so, they've done that? And my answer was always, yeah, I already knew that mum. And she was like, what? How do you, what do you mean? And I was like, I've already seen that. I've seen it on Facebook, mum. She posted it on Instagram. You know, I've already seen it. Those conversations got in the way of the community that I had with my own parents. Because normally what would happen following on from those conversations would be, oh, no, I didn't know that. What is, that conversation would flow. Whereas me going, no, I've already seen that, would stop the conversation. It just stopped it. And so I drew back. I'm, I'm not really on uh, social media anymore unless it's work kind of related because I just wanted to experience community in the present. And though, do you know what? In the midst of the pandemic, commun online community has been amazing. It's been incredible. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity that we get to be able to do that. But has online distorted maybe our view on community? Has the pandemic, how has the pandemic impacted you in community. Because we, we as a church, haven't we, we've been scattered. We've talked about that a lot, especially at the beginning of the lockdown, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. We are scattered. We're scattered. But you know, isn't it amazing how quickly we get comfortable in our scatteredness? Have you ever been camping, right? 
I, I don't do camping a lot, right? Me and my wife, we're like, nah, I'm all right, thanks. But when we have, right, when we have, we've gone camping and we set up our stuff, and it's amazing how quickly as the week goes by um, that you've, you've created things, you know, that you've kind of, you've adapted things. It's like, that's where the kitchen roll goes, or, you know, there's the washing line, or, you know, we're, 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 we've kind of established ourselves in our little tent community. We're scattered, but how quickly have we become used to where we are? Have you found that? No, I found that. You know, I found that even just, even in, in, in so having a child, a young child through lockdown, you know, kind of, we're having to get reused to, retraining, which sounds weird, you know, um, kind of like life outside of lockdown. So like Matthew, for instance, our youngest, you know, we've had to train him to be in a shop. <laughs> had to train him to be in people's houses. Don't do that, Matthew. Um, I, I remember going around to Simon's house, and, and, and I said to his wife, I said, um, uh, he's going to jump off that. I bet you any money he'll jump off their little ledge bit. What do I know? Matthew walks over. Woo! You know, just jumps off. Because he's not used to being what is around community, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, what are the rules, what can we say, what can we say. The pandemic has impacted us, hasn't it? And so as a church community, we're scattered. We've become used to that. How do we get back to what community is or should be? Do we feel like community in our life groups? Do we feel like community in our neighborhood? We've moved recently, and it's been very nice to be in a position where we kind of talk to people and chat to people and all this stuff. The community, do we feel like that in church? So what does the Bible say? So if you're in your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are going to read from verse 12, but not just yet. Because if we look at this, this book in particular, if we look at this chapter, we've got the Apostle Paul who's writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And he's writing a letter because he wants to address issues that have risen in the church. And one of them in particular is division. Division. Division is such a significant area of attack and warfare when it comes to community. The enemy loves nothing more than to divide, divide and separate, isolation. And so here Paul is talking about an issues in the church that have caused division. And so in chapter 12, he starts talking about spiritual giftings. And he's talking about the individual. He's talking about, you know, you as a person in the community, gifting that you have, that God has given you. But then he changes the focus not on the individual. He changes it on the collective. And so from verse 12, it says this. There is one body, but it has many parts. For all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We're all baptized by one Holy Spirit, and so we are formed into one body. And it doesn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people. We are all given the same spirit to drink so that the body is not made up of just one part. It has many parts. The focus is shifted. It's gone from the individual to the collective. It's gone from the one me kind of narrative that sometimes we have to the we narrative, which I think is really important. Especially this one line, it is the same with Christ. Because it's significant. 
that is a significant illustration because it talks about the connection that we all have with Christ. We all have with Christ. As believers who profess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have that same connection. We have that same relationship. We are part of something. But together, we are also the same. The fact that Christ is the head and we are the body is a really significant illustration that I feel Paul is trying to get at. We are connected by the same thing. See, when we accept Christ as our Savior and we invite God into our lives, we invite him to dwell, his spirit dwell within us. We, you, together are part of the body. Didn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles. It doesn't matter whether we were slaves or free people. Division, again, based on lots of different things. What Paul's addressing here is it's not about our origins, where we started from, but it's about our destination together. It's not about our origins. And there's there's things that we can learn from that. There's things that we can take from that. There's things that we can bring from that, which I think is helpful. But it's not about those things to divide us. It's about our destination together through Jesus, which I think is really important. This is our identity as a community. Past few weeks, Paul's been talking about the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle, and kind of encountering God through, you know, and all those different things. And I think that's a really important thing. Right? And I just want to kind of just bring something on from that. Because I find it really interesting that the community of Israel, the nation of Israel, are often referred to as the people. The people of Israel. Their identity has been found in this living description. And, you know, even now, that collective together, the people, is still a really important part of the Jewish culture. Their identity has been found in their covenant, their relationship with God. So this tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant would have dwelt, it's a really kind of, it's a blueprint, a blueprint in lots of senses for how the children of Israel were to approach God in holiness, in purity, and in reverence. So if we take the tabernacle, it's divided into lots of different segments. You've got the courtyard, which has, at the very first bit you see is the altar, where the sacrificial kind of offerings would have been laid. It shows us that sin has to be removed through a sacrificial death. And you've also got the, way, the wash basin just a little bit after that. And it talks about fellowship with God demands a removing of uncleanliness, unrighteousness. God is holy, you know, and has a, has a, has a standard called to wash. And if we move even beyond that, we've got the holy place. And inside that holy place would have been a lampstand and a table. And it's talking about we need to walk under God's light. We need to rely on him. We need to be kind of dependent upon him. And he will help us as he leads us on. There would have been an incense altar with incense offering. You know, prayers of intercession. The importance of prayer. You know, the importance of connection. The connection with God that we have. We have access to God. And then even beyond that little tent, there was an even another little section. There was the curtain between the holy place and the most holy place where God himself dwelt. And it reminds us that the almighty, the holy God, invites us into a fellowship 
but we, it couldn't be approached casually. Behind the curtain, there was no idol, but the Ark of the Covenant. And that is where his glory dwelt. Israel's king dwelt. And do you know, God hasn't changed from this, this picture. God hasn't changed from this image of the tabernacle. It is the same God today. He is holy. He is still the God of justice. He is still the God that is almighty. But Jesus has made a way. Jesus has made a way. Because Jesus has made this new covenant relationship with God possible by his sacrifice and by his ministry as our high priest before God. He has fulfilled each and every one of those requirements that have been illustrated by this ancient tabernacle. He has fulfilled them all. So we now get to approach God. But he's still the same God. See, God has always had a dwelling place in the midst of his people. First in the tabernacle, then in the temple. And in the gospels, God himself dwelt with us. God, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And then now in the church age, God dwells within us by his spirit. And you know, this focal point, this tabernacle, I believe, was a real, a constant reminder, I suppose, of their identity as the people of Israel. Their identity as together. Their identity as coming under that relationship that God had for them. And you know, this is what church is. It's not just a group of religious people gathered together to enjoy certain mutual desired functions. Church as community is a group of people who share the same life, who belong to the same Lord, who are filled with the same spirit, who are given gifts by that same spirit, and who are tended together to work together, function together to change the word, world, world sorry, by the life of God. Do you know, I remember seeing people from church that I hadn't seen in ages, even this morning, seeing people that I haven't genuinely seen in such a long time. And do you know, it fills me. I remember t- dropping my son off at school and seeing someone that I hadn't seen for ages, probably about a year, and genuinely, there was genuine delight in seeing that person because we were together, we were connected. There was something about us that was bonding us together. Been some, some pastoral visits this week, my first official pastoral visit. It's been great, loved it. Connecting with people, shared experiences, relationship, community together under Christ. And so if we continue in 1 Corinthians from chapter, um, chapter 12 from verse 15, it says, Suppose the foot says, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. Suppose the ear says, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how could it hear? If the whole body were an ear, how could it smell? Paul is addressing this feeling of insignificant. Have you ever felt insignificant in church? Have you ever felt like you're not part of something? You're not part of it. You felt left out. Division, isolation. The enemy loves nothing more than to divide us as church. Paul is addressing this issue of feeling of insignificant. And he goes on and says, God has placed each part in the body just as he wanted it to be. 
If all parts were the same, how could there be a body? As is, there are many parts, but there is only one body. As a community of believers, we need to trust in what God has given us individually, trust in that and who he's called us to be. But know that there are no insignificant parts. See, this isn't just about gifts that help us facilitate a church meeting. These are about gifts that are about bringing the kingdom of God. You and I and we are a part of that. You are not left out. You shouldn't be left out. You shouldn't be on your own. And those feelings, that's not what God has for us. And we need to be mindful of that. And we need to be watching out for that. And we need to be really about welcoming and keeping that together of who we are. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, it is just the opposite. The parts of the body seem to be weaker aren't the ones we can't do without. I need you. You need me. Do you know, independence has no place in the church. Independence has no place in the church. And I think that's quite a big statement, considering we're an independent evangelical church. Independence has no place in the church. We are not called to do this on our own. Independence, I think, again, is one of these tools of the enemy, you know, that we've seen right from the very beginning. You don't need God. Have this fruit. You don't need God. We are not called to be independent. We are called to be dependent on God. Most importantly, significantly, I need him. But we are called together as a body, not independently. We can't do this independently. We need each other. I don't want to exist by myself, and I definitely do not want this church to exist by itself. I want the Lord to move. You know, Paul even talks about the parts of the body that no one can see, and he honors that. You may feel like you're doing things in the church that no one sees. The Lord sees. Again, why are we doing what we're doing? Is it for us? Is it for our glory? Is it for his? But let's be people that are quick to thank. Let's be quick people that are quick to say thank you. For the jobs that no one wants to do, let's be people that are quick to say thank you. See, you are the body. This is what it says in verse 27. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. We are the body of Christ. We're not just people who live in the same area. We're not just people who go to the same church. We are a community that is joined by Jesus. And I believe that we need an ownership of this. That shared identity, that shared focus, that shared, you are my brother and sister in Christ. Shared, together, is a connection. There's shared experiences. I've experienced things that you may have experienced. You have may experience to the person that's next to you have experienced. We have shared experiences. But you know what? There's responsibility on that. There is. There is a responsibility on us as a church of community. If we buy into that membership, it may look like membership, but it may not. But if we buy into that, there's a responsibility on that. There's an investment that has to take place from both parties. We can't be me, me, me. 
We can't be you, you, you. We have to be we. We do not come to church to fulfill the work of church. We come to here to get ready to fulfill it out there. Until we are transformed as a body of believers, will we see communities transformed out there? And I love how Paul finishes this chapter. He finishes it with, I'll show you the best way of all. And what is he going to talk about? He talks about love. He talks about love. And I do think there's a difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit. Let us be a people that are quick to show the fruits of the Spirit to one another as a, as a body of believers. Not just about our gifting, not just about what God's called us to be, as great as they are, as important as they are, and as significant as they are. Let us be about the transformation within ourselves and allowing the fruits of the Spirit to be poured out amongst each other. We're going to come into a time of communion now. And you know, even in this book of 1 Corinthians, Paul, in the previous chapters of 10 and 11, has talked about and addressed the connection, the community, the identity, the division around this. And in verse 16 of chapter 10, he says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we share the same loaf. And so as we come together and as we share this meal, yes, we in ourselves are connecting with God. We in ourselves are giving thanks to what God has done for us. But we're doing it together. And I want to use this meal this morning as a reminder of our togetherness as the body of Christ. Jesus even talks about how we bring an offering to the altar. How can we do that if there's a falling out within your brother? I think that's what it says. Where does it say that? Matthew 5. That's what Jesus says. We come together to bring our offerings of thanksgiving or whatnot, and we've got an issue with our brother. How can we do that? And so as we come now and as we share this meal, whether you're at home, whether you're here, I want us to be mindful of that picture. One loaf, many loaves, one body, many parts, but we're doing it together. One body of Christ. So why don't we just quiet in our hearts now why don't we prepare our hearts before the Lord as we come to the table? Why don't we just open ourselves to what God has for us individually, but collectively? Isn't that the greatness of the God we serve? Yeah, come Lord God. Come Lord God.